Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, our Bible character we're in part number 12. Our Bible character is, is you know, someone we know all about. We know about this person, and this person has changed my life. In the, in, in the last 40 years studying this individual's life, I have drawn some very important principles from God's Word that God intended uh, to, to use in my life to help mold me and shape me. But even though we know this man, those of you that have read through the New Testament, familiar with the stories, yet there is only one verse in the Bible repeated in three different Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but still only one short verse that mentions this man. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how just one mention of something, one mention from God's Word, one word from God, one principle from God's Word can change a life. My life has been changed by this individual. You know, uh, one of the things I have done through the years is study characters because I know that God didn't write these accounts in the Bible just as a history lesson. Like the Old Testament, it's not just a historical application of what God did. It is a roadmap for my life. You know, uh, what God has put in the book of Mark, every word that the Holy Spirit has inspired has, has, has been put there with purpose. And it has power. It has revelation. It has, uh, it has intent. You know, every, every word was written with a great intention and connected together so that the Holy Spirit has given us the word of God which is able to build us up and strengthen us. I love that aspect. Well, this particular individual is Simon the Cyrenian. Simon of Cyrene. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you just a little bit about where Cyrene is, but let me tell you when we get to, to, to Mark chapter 15, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jesus is already standing before Pilate. He's being judged. You know, Jesus is 33 and a half years old. And it's, it's in the springtime in about the year A.D. 30. In the springtime here, uh, uh, this man, uh, Simon from Serene, it's, it's, it, it's in North Africa. Serene is right on the far northeastern coast of Libya. Okay? And so uh, right there, just west of Alexandria, Egypt, if you looked around the Mediterranean. And, uh, and so, you know, this man uh, shows up in Jerusalem with his two young sons. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we don't know if his wife was with him or not, but we have reason to imagine she probably was. But uh, he came to observe the feast of Passover in Jerusalem in obedience to the law of God that God had given the children of Israel through Moses. He was North African. 
you know, uh, but yet he was a Jew and he had received, you know, uh, the, the word and the commandment, uh, you know, and the Torah. And in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16, uh, Moses had told the people that God wanted them to come to the place where he put his name, which ended up being Jerusalem, where the temple was. I want you to come there three times every year. May all the males appear before me in the feast of, of, uh, of, of weeks uh, and, and the feast of Passover, feast of weeks and the feast of tabernacles. Well, this feast of Passover was about to occur, but it was a very special year. And here, this, this, uh, this Cyrenian, you know, made this long journey. I mean, it was a long way. Uh, and, and, in fact, you know, it, it's reasonable to assume that his wife was with him because the pattern we get in the Word of God is that families made this pilgrimage. Families went to Jerusalem, those who could. Because, you know, Mary came with Joseph and Jesus. Y'all remember all the families that came down when Jesus was 12 and, and Jesus hung around a little bit. And when the rest of the families went, you know, uh, Mary thought that Jesus was with one of the other families. You know, if you've, if you've read that uh, story, that account in the New Testament. And so here, uh, it's, it's reasonable to assume that a family would make this trip because it's a long trip. It's an 1,100 mile walk along the coastal highway from Serene, the city of Serene, to Jerusalem. Now, they could have taken a more expensive and probably did take a more expensive excursion, uh, excursion and sail there. Most likely they got on a boat in Serene and sailed to Alexandria. And with all the commercial traffic going between there and Joppa, got on another boat and sailed up to Joppa and got off and walked, you know, the 30 or 35 miles on into Jerusalem. But that was very expensive, especially if you were going to carry a family and be gone for a month or so. So here we see uh, Simon Serene uh, uh, taking, you know, a, 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 a lot of care, a lot of expense, and probably planned this out, not knowing, not knowing that it was the Spirit of God that was encouraging him in his heart, not, not really understanding, you know, perhaps he was thinking he was just obeying God. Maybe he was thinking he was just obeying the Word. Maybe he was imagining that, that what he wanted to do, he wanted to do for different reasons, but I'm telling you the hand of God was on this man. The hand of God was on him. He had been chosen by God to do something very important. And, you know, uh, he, in, in, in fact, he did not realize that, that here, 2,000 years later, he would still be being, you know, talked about and lifted up as an example. He, he could not have imagined how many lives he was going to change on this journey that, that was a long journey, you know, and it wasn't an easy journey by any means. And it was not, you know, a, a, a cheap journey. He not only had to get there, but he had to also pay for lodging. And you know how, how expensive lodging is when you go somewhere to a festival. When you're going and, you know, and, 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 you, know uh, you would expect it to be quite expensive. All the food and, all the, and, and, and just the trip by itself. And here he's brought his family with him. At least his two sons and most likely his wife. Well, you know, uh, very little, as I said, is written. In fact, only one short verse in the Bible that is repeated in this account in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yet we know so much about him. And during the next few minutes, I hope Simon will change your life. He has changed mine. Uh, and uh, I still repeat the things that I have learned from him. So let's, let's read uh, that one verse Let's choose the book of Mark to read it from. You can find it, as I said, in Matthew. You can find it in Luke. But it's the same account. It's the account where Jesus, he was arrested, he was judged, he was beaten, 
He was stripped. Uh, he was beaten just horribly, horribly beaten. And a cross was placed, um, 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 the cross piece to the cross was placed on his shoulders. That's what you carried to, you know, Golgotha. Those of you that are going with me in June to Israel, 50 of you will be going with me and I'll be showing you that, that very place. We'll walk down, uh, you know, uh, just, just like, you know, I, I don't know how many hundreds, I've carried hundreds here. And uh, you know, I carried 13 Baptist pastors from our community at one point, another 20-something pastors at another point. But uh, through the years, we have carried so many people there and showing you the first steps. The, you, you stand right there on the place where Jesus received stripes for our healing and where he had the cross placed upon his shoulders and weak and trembling and barely able to, to, to even, uh, you know, hold up his own weight. He was burdened under this, and he began to carry the cross on that Via Dolorosa. And as he walked toward Mount Calvary, he became so weak. He was, you know, you know people uh, uh, you know, spit on him. They cursed him, you know. Uh, it was horrible for him. And finally, as the little hymn said, uh, you know, he fell beneath the load. He just could not carry that cross any farther. It was his cross. It was his, it was his destiny. It was, his, it was the hope of God. It was something that had to be done. But he could not do it. The help he needed was physical help. And as he could no longer continue that journey. The Bible says in verse 21 of chapter 15, then these Roman soldiers, then they compelled a certain man. That means that they made him. That means that they, they, they commanded him. They, you know, compelled him. A certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. They had Simon. And that's, that's all that's said about Simon. That's it. That's all we have. Isn't that amazing? That they compelled this man who had brought his sons on a long journey to this Passover because of the word of the Lord to Moses, through Moses to the, to the Israelites. And, you know, it's evident. It's evident that God had him in the right place at the right time, and he was the right person. Can't, can't you imagine? I mean, I, I cannot imagine anything else but something this important God had his hand on. That it was, it, it, it was not a coincidence. It was not a happenstance. It was not just that, that Simon was passing by. Simon was a man born of destiny. No doubt like Cornelius, God had seen his faithfulness. God had heard his prayers. God had watched him in life. And God needed him to do something for Jesus that Jesus could not do for himself. Wow. It's evident that Simon is an important player in the plan of God. 
the writers of Matthew and Mark and Luke were, were, were inspired by the Holy Spirit to ensure that we knew this man's name. Simon is a common name, but they wanted us to know exactly who this is. The writers wanted the readers to know exactly which Simon this was. And to make certain that we knew exactly who he was, they told us it was, it was the Simon that was a Cyrenian. But not only that, they further identified him to their readers, understanding that the readers would know something and have some privilege that we did not have. They identified him as the father of, 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 of two young men, Rufus and Alexander. Why? Because as the scholars believe and as and his church tradition teaches and as we understand and, and through my studies, the reason and the only reason why these two would have been mentioned is because these two young men, Rufus and Alexander, would have also been known by the early church. Evidently, they were people that when they said, oh, this is Rufus's dad. Oh, you know, Simon the Serene. No, I don't know Simon. Oh, he's Alexander's dad. Oh, yeah. Rufus and Alexander's dad. And, and it is reasonable that the writers here of, of, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, wanted the readers to make this connection so that they would have some personal connection with an otherwise obscure figure in the Bible. And remember, this was not the New Testament when it was written. It was a letter. And it was a letter so that the churches and those intended readers could better understand how Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and was promised to come again. Well, the Holy Spirit packs volumes of intended information into every scripture. There is revelation. There's life-changing revelation in every account of the Word of God. And it's evident that the reason why the Holy Spirit inspired them is because His sons were evidently also people of character and making impact in the church and among those who were potential readers of this in that day. 25 years later, 25 years after this account, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome. And as he gets to the end of this letter in the 16th chapter of Rome, the 16th chapter of the book of Romans, he begins to make his salutations. You know, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person. Uh, look, look at this because it is, it is tied together and been tied together for centuries, century after century, since it's writing uh, to this same family. And perhaps here is, is, is this, the Holy Spirit making this connection. Look, Romans 16, verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. The Apostle Paul saying that this woman was as much, you know, uh, 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 my, my mother. She mothered me in the Lord as much as anyone did. Rufus's mother, would you, would you tell them, I mean, they're my friends. They're close to me. They're like family to me. And now they are in Rome, near in the church in Rome. We don't know why. We have no more further information about that. But it is not only easy to imagine, it is a scholarly approach to realize that the greatest evidence would be that Rufus and his mom were continuing 
to make a difference in the church, so much so that the church at large in that day knew them. Well, we'll connect these dots perhaps a little more in just a moment, but uh, for now, let me share with you three things I have learned from Simon the Serene that has helped me to shape my life over these past 40 years of serving the Lord. Uh, number one, you know, Simon was a man, he was a faithful man. His family knew that he was faithful. That's one of the things I love about Simon. It's one of the testimonies that I want to have in my life. Early on in life, I, 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 I realized I did not want my children to be raised knowing how I used to be. I wanted them to be raised knowing me the way I wanted to be. And if I was going to do that, I needed some help. And I went to God's Word, and I found some people. And Rufus was one of the people that I found. And I realized that Rufus, you know, I mean, excuse me, that Simon, Simon uh, what, what was a man, he, he was under a, a mandate from God. Simon, uh, he had his son Rufus and he had his son Alexander and he wanted them evidently to know God. He's under a mandate that he has to go to Jerusalem if he wants to obey the Mosaic law and, 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 and the intent handed down by God. But now we see him carrying his young sons with him at great expense, at great cost. He evidently wants them to, to connect you know, uh, with God for themselves. He's wanting to introduce them to what, what is important to him. Evidently, he is a faithful man. I don't imagine that, that, that God would have allowed an unfaithful man to carry that cross on that day. But, but, but you know, here his family sees him. They see him acting out his faith. They see him at great personal expense, at great personal cost. They see him, uh, you know, uh, 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 being faithful to God, faithful to the Word. That indicates to me that he was a good father, that he was evidently a family man, that he cared, cared as much about his family's connection to God as he did to his personal connection. He wasn't just serving God for himself. He was paying attention to a next generation. He was paying attention to how his, his life impacted uh, his, his children and his family. He believed in the value of carrying his children to his worship experience. He was going there to worship God for bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt under Moses. Passover. He was going there to worship God for the blood of the lamb that had been shed upon the doorpost of his, of, 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 of his family and his ancestors' uh, houses so that the angel of death would pass over. He was going there to commemorate this great deliverance from Pharaoh and from Egypt and, and, and its great setting free. But he wanted his sons, he wanted his children to know the God he knew. He wanted to carry his children to the place of worship. He demonstrated his faith. He was a very rare and a very remarkable man. There is no doubt that Simon's faithfulness impacted his family. Even as we see in the book of Romans, and, and I believe, and many do believe, that we see a continuing legacy there. Not only was Simon chosen by God, but there's a reason why his sons were there. 
There's a reason why God does things. There's a reason why God involves us. There's a reason why God involves our family. There's a reason why God involves our children. And we may think it's us, but he's just using us for his purposes. God not only chose Simon, but he also chose his family. I believe the Holy Spirit intended to show us in the book of Romans how the kindness of God and how God's willingness to include our children and our children's children, how God intends for the faithfulness of someone who will serve him. As the word of God says that sin may visit your family for you know the third and the fourth generation, but righteousness endures to a thousand generations. Wow. The second thing tonight that I want to tell you that, that I have learned from Simon is that uh, he taught me to never complain when compelled to carry another man's cross. He could have complained. You know, Jesus was not the most popular person in town. There weren't people standing in line to carry that cross. Okay? In fact, they were glad that he fell. They would have tripped him. They would love to have seen him, you know, dragged on. I have over and over, and you, you, you've heard me here for the past 33 years, say never complain when you're asked or compelled to carry another man's cross. Even though you didn't break it, you might be responsible for fixing it. Jesus might need your help to do something that he's just needing some physical help. He's got it covered spiritually, and he no doubt could send angels, but he's chosen to work through us. And not everything that Jesus asks us to do is easy. Not everything that, asks Jesus, that Jesus asks us to do, you know, only costs a little bit. Sometimes it costs a lot. Uh, you know, the help that Jesus needs from us is often physical, just like he needed from Simon. And I'm reminded over and over and over that when I say I will, I, I, I will serve you, it's going to mean I'm going to serve men. You can't serve Jesus without serving people. And the true test of a servant, what is it? It's how you act when you're treated like one. If you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to have to get physical. Jesus is not just a spiritual experience. Jesus is not just singing a song and, and lifting up a prayer. Jesus is serving Serving with the love and the joy, even when you're compelled to carry another man's cross and you believe that man is a sinner and you believe that man is a wicked man, that that man is a murderer, that that man is a liar, that that man is a cheat. Whenever the, 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 the Spirit of God comes upon you and says, carry that cross, then you deny yourself. You take up that cross and you follow him. It could be embarrassing sometimes to carry another man's burden. Like I said, you, you, know, you may not have broken it, but it might, you, know, you might be the one that Jesus wants to fix it. And by the way, God does not first seek our permission before he upsets our plans. 
You know, that's one of my 720 point, in, in, my, in my 720 point message, that's one of my points. God does not first seek our permission before he upsets our plans. He didn't ask uh, Simon's permission. Way back there somewhere, way back there, no doubt, Simon said something dangerous that maybe you and I have said, Lord, use me. <laughs> Whew. God, don't forget, at that moment, he begins to prepare you. At that moment, and he will use you. Well, uh, I don't know what it would have been like, but it would have been probably very difficult, embarrassing, maybe even embarrassing for my kids to see me compelled, humbled. But if they were watching, I have a feeling Simon picked up that cross, stood up straight, and walked up that hill. Why? Because just like in the book of Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in prison in the midnight hour, the prisoners are listening. Others were watching. We don't always get to decide what we go through, but we always get to decide who we are. Who are you going to be in your moment? What kind of woman, what kind of man are you going to be? That's what we get to decide well, as I said earlier, Simon did what Jesus could not do. Man, there is a rare occasion, isn't it? There were a couple of other people that came to mind while I was studying this. I put them in my notes as well, like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Jesus could not carry his dead body to the tomb, and yet he had to get there. <laughs> Sometimes in rare instances, we may be asked to do something you know, not everything that, 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 not everything, uh, you know, that Jesus asks us to do is easy and not everything. Jesus can't necessarily do everything. I mean, the Bible shows us that he needed help. And the help he most often needed was physical help. The carrying of his body. The taking it down off the cross. Well, the third thing tonight uh, is what is most important impressive to me about Simon the Serene. You know, he's, he's only mentioned in one short verse. He had an encounter with Jesus. That's why he's mentioned. And I realize as well that my intersection with Christ will be the only lasting legacy of my life. Only what I do for Jesus is going to last. I don't know his life. I don't know the life of Simon before, and I don't know the life of Simon after that moment. But his intersection with Jesus is his lasting legacy. You don't know my prologue. You don't know my epilogue. You don't know, you know, what has, you know, you, 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 but one thing I hope you know about me and one impression I want to leave is I have encountered Christ. I have been with Jesus. That's what they said about the disciples. We thought these, was, these were ignorant and unlearned men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. You know, oh, I hope people will just, you know, uh, ha, you know it would be wonderful if in 2,000 years people remembered 
that I had an intersection with Christ. That's what we know about Simon. That's all we know about him. His life intersected Christ. And he changed my life. We are, as Simon was, you are a person of destiny. Simon didn't know. You probably don't either. But you have, you have had an intersection with Christ. If not, then this evening you can. You can be born again right now. You can invite Jesus Christ, God's son, savior of the world into your heart and your life. You can have an intersection with Christ, an experience like no other. You can be born again. In fact, Jesus said, you must be born again. You see, there is only one name and only one way into the eternity that God has planned for his children. And it's through making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Whether you're here, at home, somewhere in an office, or listening while you're driving down the road, wherever you may be, Jesus is right there with you. And if you will call upon his name right now, he will save your soul. What do you need to do? It's very simple. Number one, we recognize that we need a Savior. You're, you know you do. We all know. You recognize you need a Savior. You simply repent. Repent of your sins. You turn. You turn to him. Any other direction was wrong. You turn your life to him. And then you receive him. You, you ask him. Come into my heart, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Teach me how to live. Teach me what to do. You know, save my soul. He will hear a simple prayer, a simple request, and he will save you. You will be born again. And then life will begin to take shape. Salvation is free. Okay? Living like Jesus might cost you everything you have. Okay? But it's cheap. At any price. Salvation, however, is free. We are people of destiny. Nothing happens by coincidence. Nothing happens by circumstance. You know, Simon never imagined that he was on a road to destiny. Well, you probably don't either. But you are. You are. And that has changed my life. It's made me get up every morning and understand, as Psalms 37 says, my steps are ordered of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I can afford to rejoice and be glad. I can afford to sing in my midnight hour, even in chains of darkness, you know, because I am on a road. You are on a road of destiny. And God will use you for his glory. He will. Okay. You don't know how, you don't know when, but he will. Right now, I'm going to encourage you to just take one of those things and put it in your life. Okay? Just one of those things. Determine that you're just not going to complain when you're asked to clean up something you didn't break. Fix something that, you know, carry another man's cross or burden. Do it unto Christ. Just realize that you want to leave a legacy, you know, and uh, as well that you're on a course. You're on God's course. Okay? God has a plan for your life. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com 
and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.